you will know if God's perfect will is for you to be at that job. He's not going to play hide and seek with you. You'll know it. Today, we jump into the art of decision making and explore the strategies, insights, and trade-offs involved with making tough choices. We're going to offer practical advice and fundamental principles that are going to help all of us navigate when those big decisions come. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Live Change Podcast. My name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by Joanna and Jason. And today we're talking about big changes and big decisions in life. But before we do and jump into that, we wanted to remind you that our comments, our likes, our subscribers, we we love what you guys are doing. We love the excitement that's out there about the Live Change Podcast. So don't forget to, to like the podcast, subscribe to it, and leave a comment. Today, we're going to jump into this topic today, which is all about big decisions and when we as Christians face big decisions in life. But before we do that, I've got a game. All right, today, good. we're going to play Would You Rather? Okay, so we're going to play Would You Rather? I'm going to ask you, would you rather? And I'm going to give you two examples. Okay, so first question. Would you rather travel to the past or the future? Uh, past. Why? I don't really know why. Well, you need to know why. You can't just well, say, I, I mean, the past. I don't know why. I just, I like history. Oh, there you go. See? There. I'm probably a nostalgic guy. I think I'm I'm kind of a That's nostalgic good. person. Okay. So, so... Who's the first person you eat dinner with in the past? Um, Jesus. I knew it. No, I'm kidding. I knew, <laughs> I knew you were going to say Jesus. Just because I knew you knew that. <laughs> uh, no, probably the Apostle Paul. No, I'm kidding. Oh, that was well, still though. He, well, that no, would I'm, be good. I was, I was kidding. Uh, George Washington. Oh, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. I got really into George Washington about five years ago. <laughs> I mean, like deep into that wormhole. And yeah, you'll see Jason's car. It has a George Washington sticker on the back. That's not true. Uh, it's <laughs> just it's, a silhouette of his <laughs> his bun that he wore. <laughs> oh my goodness, Joanna! Future um, or past? I don't know. Uh, my gut response is future, but I couldn't tell you why. Okay, well technology get to see how the world's gonna shape uh, i don't think that those sound like really good reasons i'm probably just nosy <laughs> i <laughs> i just want to see what everybody's doing yeah i just want to see it <laughs> i love that you're not like human society see how it advances right. you're like i just want to see what's going on yeah kind of put, put my nose in that <laughs> would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or speak in every language fluently Speak in every question. language fluently. Speak to animals. Yeah, speak to animals. Why would what? you? You wouldn't talk to no. animals. No, I don't. Even no, really. I'm saying that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, oh, I. Do you want to talk to the horse that's in the pasture behind? Like why? Yes, no. but why? Okay, the chances what do you of me going through that horse's head. Okay, in a single day, they, I can have conversations with beings. all these animals versus you. What you're going to travel to all those different countries to talk to people? No, you don't have to travel to different countries to talk to people. Zoom. Yeah, or I oh, could just walk around like my yes. neighborhood. I love that you assume the person in the Philippines wants to talk no, to you. I love that you assume that a bird has a conscience and, and a will and can speak intelligent thoughts. I am a firm believer that animals have feelings. You know what the bird would say? <laughs> chirp, <laughs> chirp, chirp, <laughs> chirp. They would just enunciate it differently. The best part is I would hope that when I'm speaking to animals, I'd have to speak in their like native tongue. <laughs> So I like, know what the horse is. Oh, Nay. You'd be like, <laughs> and they would understand you. Exactly. No. 
Uh, wow. Okay. I, that don't, was lie. I didn't like that one. Hey, don't forget, in the That's comments, good. make sure you're telling us what you would rather. Would you rather be able to travel anywhere in the world for free or eat any food you want without health consequences? Anywhere in the world for free. Yeah. I'm, I'm going health consequences. That means that changes my every day. Like my every day. I can eat a donut every day and not gain weight. How amazing would that be? Yeah, that'd be cool. But... But That'd you could cool. you could take care of yourself in other ways and still eat a donut every day. That's yeah, but that point. requires moderation, and I'm told I don't exercise moderation well. My oh. my wife tells me I don't moderate food intake well. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, these are just silly questions, but and and silly choices uh, that don't have any consequences. But we're talking today about when life does have big decisions that do have consequences and how they can be crippling for humans. And, and that doesn't, uh, we're not immune as Christians. It's not like, well, I have Jesus, so now I'm, uh, like, all the decisions I make are easy, and I just look them up in the Bible and I just make them. Because guess what? Most of life's decisions, there's not a clear-cut, definitive answer in, in the gospel or in the scriptures. So what we're going to talk about today is how do we as Christians make tough life decisions and, and how do we navigate getting God's guidance in that? So let me let me give a real world example here. Is like so you got a, a couple that are looking to buy their first house, yep. and and they 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 look in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say should I buy a house at seven percent interest rate, yep. and and should yep. I leave twenty percent down to to eliminate PMI? They're, like it's not there. Yeah, but you but you'll look at the Proverbs and it says a slay uh, a, a lint, um sorry a. Borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, so that says something about what debt does to us. And so now you got to have a conversation as a couple to go, okay, what level of debt are we willing to take on? Like, now that's just a wisdom conversation. The Bible yeah. does guide us in some of those things. But you're right. It's not going to say good or bad, don't or do. But it's going to give you some principles at least to talk through. Like, how much are we willing yeah. to take on? How much... Um, but, but, there, but, but that to me is the second level, which is... Everybody probably, you ought to have somebody that's two or three steps ahead of you in life that you're in community with that you can yeah. go. We think, so there's nothing biblically we're seeing, you know, that, that, that would say we shouldn't do this right now. Um, and there's nothing that says we should. So now we just need to know from experience, have you guys, what do you guys see? What do you guys think? Have you had to wrestle through this? When you guys bought your first home, what was, like, that's just being smart and getting people around you hmm. to ask questions of experience doesn't make us wiser. That's kind of a misnomer. We're like, just, age doesn't make you wiser. That's a that's not true. Ex because that's kind of believing the lie that experience makes you wiser. That's not true. Evaluated experience is what makes you wiser. The wisdom is when you take experiences and evaluate them and learn from them. That The people that you know that you would consider the wisest are the reason they f you feel that way around them is because they've evaluated the experiences they've had and learned something from it, and now they're able to articulate that and pour into you. There's a lot of people who've had experiences. They never evaluated them, and they're making the same things. So it's not, it's not age that makes you wise. Um, it's not experiences that makes you wise. It's the willingness to evaluate them. And if you can find someone who's evaluated their experiences and learned from it, that's gold, man, to okay. go to them and be like, Pour into me so that I don't hit those same landmines that you did. Okay. So, Joanna, like, you you have a community, a faith community around you. 
what do you recommend for someone that needs that? So someone that needs that level of wisdom, that level of community in their life, because right now they're making decisions apart from that. So what, 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 are, what do you look for in a community that you can trust? Uh, because I, I'm imagining not every, just because you get a second opinion doesn't make it wise, like Jason was saying. Yeah, I think, I mean, even when um, I'm in those moments, uh, I'm, and I'm an extrovert, so I get that in an introvert context, this might feel different, but I just look for people who are doing it, the thing that I'm going towards and doing it well and just like, hey, how are you doing that? How'd you figure that out? Um, what have you learned? Um, and I think just like starting that conversation, like people, I've also learned people love telling you about them or like things that they've experienced to share that. Uh, whether they honestly realize it or not. And then it's kind of up to you to just continue to be a sponge. And so, I don't know, I have, I kind of have different folks who like, it's like, hey, th this is, things. yeah, this is a great couple to talk marriage with. This is a great couple to talk finances with or a great friend or, you know what I mean? Um, trusted person. Okay. And so, yeah, I think it's just asking questions when you see someone doing something well. Um, yeah. And, and observing, nosy. it is a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's like, well, do you have people around you and their life is the life that you go, I kind of hope I'm there 10 mm -hmm. years from now. I kind of hope that's what they seem at peace financially. They seem at peace. You get around their kids and their kids are respectful and loving mm -hmm. and like, yeah, well that tells you something. So go and spend, I mean, that was one of the values of being a student ministry for so long for me is Jenny and I got to see these kids who were like, that's the kind of kid we hope we have one day. And so then you could put yourself around those parents and be like, Hey, Give us two tips. What do y'all do? And then you find the themes. You find yeah. the threads. Um, oh, they don't make themselves yeah. crazy busy all the time. Oh, that's like there's a theme there. We should pay attention to that. So, And what I love too is even some uh, times those folks will say, hey, we did this. I wish we would have done this. And so that's even, the evaluated yes. experience. And yep. so then you are probably already thinking, well, what if this happens? Likely someone else has already experienced that. What if, and mm -hmm. how do you get in proximity with those people? So you don't make the same what ifs. That's really good. But that's the threshold in the, the, um, the, what's the word? The litmus test you have for who do you go and you seek advice from is not, they're my friends. That's not a qualifier for they're worthy of seeking out advice. Ooh, go on. Well, but they may not have your, they may, because they're your friends, they may have the relationship more in mind than the truth. And I'm not saying that's even a bad thing. Like sometimes you need objective people. Yeah. If it's a friend of your, so two, two reasons I say that is because one is sometimes you need someone who's a completely objective. They really have no vested interest in whether or not you move, let's say. But if you go to your friends who, that's going to, um, they're going to be sad that you move. Mm. I mean, how could that not affect some of the feedback they give you or whatever? They, they also have their own biases. They and have their, their own, own biases. And, and I'm not even saying that's bad. I'm just trying to say that should not, that doesn't qualify them. Well, they're my friends. That doesn't qualify them to, that's not the only qualifier to go and ask for. Yeah. Um, wisdom and feedback because or they just might be giving you bad advice or steering you the so, wrong direction and they don't the even second know it thing. the second yeah. thing is they just may not be just because of your friend doesn't mean mean they're they're wise in some of these things and again i'm not saying that's a bad thing but remember that story in um oh man doggone it um it's probably one of the it's first or second kings anyways it's about rehoboam yeah and rehoboam well he's solomon's son and he becomes king 
and he has two groups. He's got this opportunity to basically make a decision for the nation, and he's got these two groups of people. He's got his friends who say, you know what you should do? You should, you've got all these people that you've been um, having work for you. You really ought to show them your authority. It's time to demonstrate I your authority this. right now. Yes. It's time to, so don't lighten the load. Tell them you're the boss and make the work that they're doing heavier. Then you had these experienced people um, who had lived more life, and they said, actually, if you lighten the load for them right now, they'll be loyal to you for the rest of your life. And he decided to listen to his friends because they were his friends, and it completely backfired. So, Wasn't that the separate, the kingdom broke up because of that? Yeah, yeah. It was, it, everything disintegrated as a result of because who you listen to. Do you know what I think it comes down to is it's a coach versus a cheerleader. And I think that we have a society, and I'm, I'm, I hate mm-hmm. to paint with a broad brush, but I think we as a society really prefer cheerleaders. Yeah. We love people that are going to tell us what we want to hear. We love when we're talking to people and it's like, I don't know, guys, should I, should I buy the brand new car? You know, it's, you know, really expensive and I can barely afford the payments, but like, you deserve it. We want to hear from the cheerleaders that like, you work hard. You, you should yeah. get that. We don't want to hear the people that are like, you can't afford that, dude. <laughs> That's like, very true. Yeah. We need both in our life. We need the coach before we make the decision. We need the cheerleaders after we do. And I think sometimes that like the cheerleaders may not have all of the right pieces of information either. That's true. Like if I remember right, like that kind of happened to Job, like his friend showed up and they were telling him to do like all these things and just to like, Hey man, clearly you messed up, like repent, like it'll all work out. And like, I just don't think that they had the full scope Mm -hmm. of the picture of Mm -hmm. like what was happening. And so, then it's like when you're listening to people that don't have the full scope of like really what's at stake or what's happening, then I think that's also can be a recipe for disaster because again, you're listening to someone who doesn't have all of the like right information. That's totally true. When Steph and I were looking to buy a house, we were, we were buying a house in 2021 and we were getting advice from lots of people, but a lot of the advice was, was significantly dated it was it was like you know we got advice like don't pay over asking and don't get it always get an inspection and in and the and market had the, shifted and i was and like though that's good advice it's all very good advice yeah. for a different market yeah, and yeah, yeah. so it, it's interesting that we do there sometimes the advice is like a cheerleader and it's like not always uh all the the information needed um what's so that, what's that what's that uh proverb like wounds from a friend can be trusted can be trusted but an enemy will multiply kisses yeah so like yeah so the person who's kissing seems like the friend yeah and they may be the enemy because they're and i don't mean that maliciously it could just be the enemy of the wise path but the one who tells you the truth and it feels like it wounds a little bit is actually the friend. I, they're the one who wants the most, that wants the best for you. Well, a good example is like if a friend is in uh, in hawk up to their eyes in debt, they're not going to advise you to not get in debt half yeah. the time. They're going to be like, "Why work for me?" You know. Yeah. So when when we're choosing the 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 cabinet, I I kind of in my head have this idea of like a cabinet of experts. What are some some experts that we should have in our life? It, wh- who should we put in our cabinet? Like. A marriage we want to have look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's someone that was financially responsible. I think it's the things that you just don't feel super equipped at. Okay. I mean, which is probably a lot of things, but I think some of that, 
there are some people who are naturally wired. Like maybe you don't need a finance person. Maybe that's something you deep dive into yourself and you feel real confident in that. Um, so I don't know that there's like a one size fits all. I think it's more just the heartbeat of like, how do you get around people that can help fill the gaps that like you feel that, yeah, yeah, you need help with. Well, for me, I think it's wise to to identify, like actually sit down and identify some of those things before you ever face the decisions because we're going to always surround ourselves with our friends that we get along with the most. But sometimes the people that we need wisdom from are not the people we want to go out to, you know, uh, Applebee's and get apps with. You know, like, uh, like you know, you might want marriage advice, but you're not hanging out with a couple that's been married for 50 years. It's like, as fun as this is, I I, I don't think you and I are going to go to trivia, you know, and hang mm-hmm. out. So you, well, you got to seek that out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. you. They're not necessarily the people that are in your circle all the time. You yeah. need to actually go, you have something I yeah. want. You have some wisdom. And I think that's another thing that's lost on on the some generations, and I, including my own, is this idea that the elder generation or the generation before me had anything to give me like it's like oh well no we've got it all figured out you know we got youtube <laughs> and it's like but there is such lost wisdom when we do that it's yeah. funny i just heard a quote i was at a conference a couple weeks ago and they were saying you can download just about anything but you can't download great mentoring oh and i think that's just that sentiment of like yeah you can absolutely learn a lot of things and should Um, but when it comes to like the, um, I don't know what you'd call that, like the relational, like the shoulder to shoulder, like you can't just download that from YouTube. Wow. I think the pillar, the big pillars of life that everybody has to try to figure out. I mean, at some level is, um, relationships, finances, job, vocation. Those seem like the big three huge pillars that everyone's got to figure out. Um, in so, at some way, shape, or form, and um, so relationships, whether that's parenting or, or marriage or single single life, and faith kind of figuring that out. Yeah. So like I and I I don't think there this yeah stops. And, then, and then faith. I guess I'm thinking faith as sort of the umbrella over it all. Like if you're a Christian, you're wanting to know how faith integrates to all of those things. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's well. I think it's really important because I'm choosing people that are getting their sources of wisdom from God. Yeah, right, like, right. I'm right. not. I I want I want to choose people that are going to be good stewards uh, of the wisdom and, and knowledge that they that God has given them. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it goes away with age. So a good example of this is like, I I think this really applies to 25 year olds. And if there's 25 year olds listening out there, I'm uh, this episode is a big one for you guys. Um, find your group now. Uh, find your group now and uh, that can advise you in some of these things. But as a 42-year-old guy, I I know that I still look at people that have been married. I've been married for 20 years now. I'm looking now at people that have been married for 40 years. Right. And and I'm like, what did you do? And what was it like when the kids went off to college? And, and how did you continue to build on your relationship and stuff yeah. like that? I mean, if you keep the principle is always have someone who's two steps ahead of you. And I don't really know what that would be. Is that five years, 10 years, whatever. But the point is always have someone who's two steps ahead of you that, that you got on your speed dial basically, or, or you, you've got time with to run things by that then carries whether you're 60 or whether you're, whether you're 25, 
the principle is to always have like whatever those core areas of your life are to always have a few people around you that are a couple of steps ahead of you that can help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important too, when you're vetting those kinds of relationships, also make sure that their public life and their private life line up. Mm. Cause I think that there's just a lot of decision-making that happens publicly, but like we all know, we make a ton of private decisions every day. And so I think like when you're mm. looking for someone, not only someone who's really smart, but also someone who has the proven track record, someone who, um, yeah, you just know, like has that also that, that deep sense of integrity or lines up with some of the values or yeah. more than not of the values that you have. Um, and I think that that's just so important too. So like, but let's talk about God's will for our life because, and not to over-spiritualize, because I do think there is some, some risk of over-spiritualizing, you know, God's contribution to certain decisions. Like, I know there's some people that are like, you know, uh, they're, they're asking God, you know, where, where, where should I park in this parking lot? And uh, it's like, I don't, I don't know if God cares where you park, but do you, so let me ask you a question. Do you think people struggle with that or more, more? See, I, I feel like the problem, the, the, the common person is they don't consider God in any of their decisions. <laughs> that that's fair. That's, I mean, I do think there's that person you know, that you're talking about yeah. that under spiritualizing things instead of over. But my guess is majority of us, it's been a long time since we said, Hey God, what do you want me to buy this house? So you've asked everyone on the block if you should buy the house, but you haven't talked to God. Yeah. So, so explain to me, how do we find God's will? Because again, this podcast is geared towards Christians and they're saying like, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to know God's will. I want to live within God's will. This, when I'm making decisions, great and small, Mm-hmm. It, but that's a that that's a nice title to a book. But what what's in the book? Like, what do you do? How do you how do you find God's will and then live within it? Because it's very easy to confuse God's will with my will, mm-hmm. and it, because my will is really obvious, <laughs> you know. And God doesn't necessarily ever like you know verbally speak to us like you know He did in the Bible. You know, it's. We don't necessarily see light coming through the cloud. So how do we determine God's will? Well, God has spoken through his word, and and so that's one. You always start with scriptures. Again, I mean, like, um, to me it's simple in that sense. I'm yeah. not saying the decisions are simple. No, no, I'm no, saying, no. like, starting point is scripture. Is there anything in the scriptures that speaks directly to this decision that you're about to make? Okay? Should I cheat on my wife? Uh, no, that's not God's will for you. Yeah, but I love her. <laughs> And you know whatever, yeah. or I really whatever. So no, I can definitively tell you that's not God's will for your life. Wow. Uh, let's go to Matthew six, right? So, um, that's so good. I mean that's a that's kind of a straw. I mean like it's an obvious one, but it's simple to make the point there. But start there. The second is community of Christians. Is there anything that that community around you, as you've talked about this decision, that they're catching and saying, "Hey, that feels off to me." You should listen to that. The Holy Spirit speaks through community. He speaks through His body, the church. So there, there's one. There's a second. Um, do you have a personal conviction about this that you feel? Mm. And this is where it gets okay. fuzzy. It's like, how do you know? And I don't know how to articulate this other than as you pray and you ask God, God's not playing games. You know, God's not, God, if you're sitting there going, God, I want to know if I'm making the right decision on this. I feel like, you know, there's nothing in the scriptures I'm seeing that goes against it's the community of people that I'm, talking to or affirming this decision, but God, is there anything that's stopping it? God's not going to be like, well, I'm going to test you now. I'm going to just wait and see. Like you're doing that. He's going to honor that. 
But there's sometimes where you do, you feel a nudge. Sometimes that's how we talk about it here at OCBC. Like you feel a nudge, you just yeah. feel a sense, you feel a prompt in your spirit that, hey, it's not, it's not right. It's wow. not sinful. It's not whatever. Like there's nothing. It's just, it's not the right time. And you just know it. And you, so, so, so the Holy Spirit is probably what I'm saying is the third, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and, and, and nudging you um, in a personal way. So those are three immediate filters for how do you make decisions. That's good. Um, and then I think there's a lot of, see, there's a different, um, theologians will talk about perfect will and permissive will and perfect will is a very specific, uh, calling or decision or whatever that God has for you. And then permissive will is think about it like a, a bigger circle and you can choose a thousand things within that, but just don't go outside the, the circle boundary. Right. But there's a lot of different Perfect will is like there's one specific thing. I just think God tends to work, my experience, and I think if you look at the scriptures, tends to be a lot more permissive within the guardrails. Um, so. Oh, that's good. And then I think like God also asks us to be good stewards of the decision. So even your in your example around like the car buying, it's like, hey, like we're feeling good about this amount for like the mm-hmm. monthly payment or whatever for our budget then I think it's like up to us also then to hold ourselves accountable to when we get to the dealership lot, it's like, cool. Then like God's affirming, Hey, this is what, yes. Like, I think you guys are tracking, like this will work out. So then when we get to the dealership lot and it's a hundred dollars more a month, like then it's up to us to also, I think, um, like meet that honoring or stewardship over the decisions we've been given uh, because I've definitely, I mean, yeah. we've all been also in the seat where it's like, oh, we felt really good going into the decision. And then at the last second, like wow. we tweak it a little bit more to our will. And how many times mm. have we made life harder oh. than as a result of that? Um, and that's so like, I true. think that that's really important too. That is so good. So what about the person that's already made a decision that was what they have determined now, maybe listening to this or they've already determined, you know, previously that's not God's will. So like uh, a good example is like, you know, and I'm good. Let's, let's get serious for a second. So like, maybe it's like they had a huge financial purchase that was a burden. Maybe they, they chose the wrong career path and you know, they've, that ship has sailed and there it's like, I have a family now. I can't just drop everything, go back to college and choose a different one. Maybe they even are like, I don't know if God really, his will was for me to marry this person. What do you say to the person that's already made these decisions and they feel like some of these decisions were not in God's will? Well, I mean, I guess on one hand, this might sound cold, but it's like, okay, so kind of doesn't matter. You're, you have to live with that now. And so now the question is just what's God's will now? I see. So, so, so what do we know? All right, let's go to the scriptures. <laughs> like, uh, marry this person, I regret them. There's a scripture and it's not like an infidelity. It's not even that it's just like, uh, eh, we don't, we don't, we're not happy anymore or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, Paul addresses this actually in this letter to Corinthians because apparently a lot of people were getting married. Then one of them was coming to faith in Jesus. And I know I have friends like this. One of them comes to faith in Jesus. The other one doesn't. And you're now in a marriage where wow, you've got priorities and, and Paul says, stick with them. Because maybe you stick with them. And again, we're not talking about, this is not abuse. There's, it's not infidelity. It's not no, these things. It's, it's, it's none of that. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, oh, we don't see eye to eye on stuff anymore. 
And Paul's like, um, you stay with them. And wow. so if someone were like, yeah, we're just, I don't think I've married the right person. It's like, okay, well, what do you do now? How do you remain faithful in this situation? And um, so the question, I guess I'm bringing up a bigger thing, which is, I guess in some ways it doesn't really matter what the decisions you made that you regret are. Now the question is, how do you live faithfully with the decision you already made? Mm-hmm. Is I think what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can relate to, um, like, when I graduated, I chose a school that was incredibly expensive. And at 18, I didn't really understand the gravity of the, the situation uh, or the decision. Or I didn't really realize how that would even be impacting me in my 30s. And so... I mean, with kind of the stroke of a pen, like change the trajectory of like wow. what that first, you know, um, 10 years even after school would look like. And so, um, sure. May I like, would I go back and do it differently? Like maybe, but also my life in other ways wouldn't be the same if I made a different choice. Mm. And so now I think it's just like, cool. Like then what do we do? Like, because of the situation that like we're in now. So it's like, we have a, a, a financial plan to figure out how to deal with that. Um, yeah, we like, again, priorities conversation have decided, Hey, this is how we're prioritizing our finances to deal with them. Like maybe call it a mistake or a choice that we made in the past. Um, that maybe wasn't a great choice at the time, but it's not like it, uh, I don't know, like wrecked our entire future. Yeah. Like to your point, like we've had to deal with it and how do we now like continue to move forward in light of that decision? You know, it's something that's come to me is I, I feel as though, and I've seen this in my own life, I have definitely made decisions that were not the right ones, especially in my younger years. But, you know, I'd love to say oh, I'm now immune to the wrong decisions, but no, I certainly still make them. Um, and I think there's this moment where I started to realize that God is more like a GPS than anything else. And and so, like, when what I mean by that is, when we make the wrong turn, like the GPS is saying like, hey, I'd really like you to go over here to the left. And we're like, whoops, went right. At The GPS doesn't go like, oh, bummer, you are lost. And and like turning off now, <laughs> like right. the GPS until goes. You get it, until you get back on the right track. Yeah, I'm, like go back, go back, go back. Well, the, right. yeah, the, then, you know, the GPS just puts their hands together, arms <laughs> together and be like, I'm just not talking now. Um, no, the GPS says recalculating. And it's like, it may take you longer. It's like, hey, you missed that exit. It's going to take you an extra 30 minutes. It's going to be a little more painful. You're going to show up late, Mm -hmm. but you are still going to be within, you know, you're still going to get there. I love that analogy. And, And I think God is saying to us is like, hey, you know, like you missed, you missed an exit or two. But we can we can recalculate, and you can still get back to your destination. You can still get within God's will, even if you've married someone that is is different than than that you thought they would be, or your career isn't what it looked like. It's it's recalculate now and go from here. Mm-hmm. I do believe God has a perfect will for some things, but I don't believe He'll hide that from you. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Like I do believe there's a perfect will for some things, but if there is. You will know it, and then you'll have a choice whether you'll fight it or or, or say no to it, and um, or or not. I just think for the majority, like there is a perfect will related to sin issues and all that. Again, like I can tell you, God's perfect will, because I can take you right to the scriptures related to, hey, should I lie to my boss about this thing? It's like, nope. God has a very perfect will about this one. I see. Um, see, so so I, and and sometimes it's things that you won't find in the scriptures, like. 
You're not going to find, like, you will know if God's perfect will is for you to be at that job, he's not going to play hide and seek with you. He's not, you'll know it. Mm. How will you know it? I don't, it's hard to describe how you'll know it, but you'll know it because you sought him in prayer. You had people around you that were affirming those things. I like how Margaret Feinberg talked about, she talks about God's will oftentimes come to, comes to us as echoes where um, you hear, you have you ever like been, you like hear a song and there's this word or something in the song and then like two days later you're talking to someone and they bring up that same idea even though they had no clue and then you're reading an article like four days later and then you're reading scripture and then, and it's the same thing. Margaret Feinberg calls those echoes. And a lot of times God reveals his will through echoes. And it's like, are you paying attention? Are you listening? Yeah. Um, See, so this is one of my favorite things about you, Jace, is you, you're pretty bold when it comes to talking about like God's plan for us. And, and um, a good example is an easy way to be, would be like, you know, we'll have to just decipher God's, God's will. And it's a mystery. You're like, no, no, God will let you know. Like, and there's we're putting the onus back on God, and we're putting the onus back on the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and saying, like, the Holy Spirit will not be silenced. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to let you know, you know, when you are out of God's will. Or mm-hmm. and and I love that you're you're pretty, you know, firm about that and saying, like, it's it's not gonna be a mystery. You got the Holy Spirit will let you know. Well, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that um, to renew your mind, right? To renew your mind, to meditate on God's word, to renew your mind, and you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will know God's holy and pleasing will. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. But the idea seems to be that the more you saturate your thinking with God's word, a community of faith who affirm God's word in your life. That's great. Um the truth of God's word through through um, scriptures and all that you will learn to think um, aligned with God's will, and and so then I, again, I mean, you'll it'll be obvious what's not in His perfect will, but then you'll also know, oh, this is permissive. And again, I think majority. This is my experience again, and I feel like I I could make a case probably biblically for this that the majority of times it's very permissive. God has a permissive will. As long as you're within these parameters, God's saying, you, you got a brain, use it. Like, yeah. you've got wisdom, you've got people, you've got people around you who can tell you, this job or this job, this job or this. It's like, I was like, well, this one gives you this, and this one, like, what do you yeah. want? Because they're both within the, they're both within this, so. Wow, and that's the importance of having the parameters. I think, like, even marriage, Jenny and I got in a big thing about this the, the other day. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but see, to me, this is, I think marriage is a, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to find the perfect spouse, which doesn't exist, by the way. Total lie. Like, if you're waiting for the perfect person, Whoa. you're waiting for the person to complete you. That's um, such garbage. I, I beg to differ. I think well, <laughs> that my wife has found the perfect spouse. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say I found the perfect spouse. No, no she did. You made it about you. <laughs> she's a lucky that's, lady. She's lucky. We're going to cut that. No, that's staying in. And if it doesn't, I'm calling Steph and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her. I tell her all the time, you're a lucky lady. <laughs> Jenny. No, I, I meant we're going to cut like, that for her sake. <laughs> gotcha. Jenny, have I told you lately how lucky 
you are to have me. <laughs> it won't go, go over for, well for you gentlemen, so yeah. I, I don't recommend it. Um, uh, what were we? I don't even, you, 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 you and Jenny were talking. Oh, 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 with marriage. We put such a, um impossible burden sometimes on ourselves to feel like there's that we've got to find the there's one person out of eight billion yeah that if we don't find them we're somehow outside of god's will and by the way i don't even know how that would work because if one person screws that up it's messed up for everybody because then the domino like, oh, effect yeah i didn't get that one right so then but someone did marry them which means they didn't marry the you know what i mean it's like it yeah. doesn't even logically in some ways make sense but if you're a Christian, there are guardrails. Is yeah. the person, I mean, like, are they following Jesus? Do they have the same commitments that you, so it's like, okay, this checks off these boxes and then there's wisdom. Okay. Do they have the same interest that I have? Do they have, are they, um, you know, are values aligned, all that. You just go down the list yeah. and you go, there's, there you go. So as long it's as it's like, in there. Yeah. Now, when you find that person, you can, then it's, and this is kind of what Jenny, this is how I helped alleviate some of the tension she felt when we were talking about this, because that's not a romantic idea. I understand that. I just, um, but when you choose that person, I do believe then God's like, no, because she's like, well, then are you saying that like we're, we're an intended, I probably shouldn't be bringing everybody into our personal conversation. But it's like, are we you know, yes, not intended should. to be together? No, I do think we were intended to be together. Yeah. So I believe God orchestrated those things. I'm just trying to say, um, you can take the pressure off. Yes. You can take the pressure off. Like, no, there's probably a thousand, like before you find that person and you get married and, and, and all that, like take the pressure. Like there's a thousand people that probably fit that. I also think with. there's it, it saying that you, there's one person out there almost takes some of the weight of making the marriage work off of you. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're my soulmate. So yeah, it's like, no, you, uh, you make that person your spouse like you you, you make, make them, them. I, that's great and that's that i really like that and it's about the the decisions we make day in and day out those little decisions yes. are the things that make you soulmates and make you connected together i love that i don't preach we need to do a series about that i like that you make someone your spouse that's really good and that's tr- i think that's true it's true for Steph and I. I like, just keep hearing like you make them should, be your spouse. No, no, no. I know. What, I think there you have not, to be very careful. Yes. Yeah. Maybe this we is, should qualify. This is why you, we keep you around, Joanna. You 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 help hey. us with those moments. No. Okay. What's a better way of saying it? You choose them to be yes. your spouse. Yeah. And you have to keep choosing. them. And you them. keep choosing. You don't oh, keep making them. Okay. Yeah, That's okay. good. That's but, but I understand what Jeff said. Um, Joanna, talk, let's talk about timing and God's timing is... I'm going to go home and tell Kevin, I've made you be my spouse. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> See, why can she joke about that? Yeah, but we And can. we're totally like, oh, that's kosher. But we're like, I made you my spouse. And everyone's like, you're terrible. <laughs> I'm going to make you my spouse. So timing. Uh, tell me about... Uh, God's timing and and being patient on God's timing. So mm-hmm. especially with cultural influences. So I remember in you know like in my younger years, a lot of Christian women in my life were were feeling this this cultural pressure to like you know you got to get married at a certain time and you have to find the significant other at a certain time and you have to have the the white picket fence and the and the kids and the house and the minivan and everything. All like you feel these cultural pressures. But at no point does those cultural pressures afford God's timing. 
So what would you say to a person that's feeling pressure Mm -hmm. to rush God's timing? Yeah, so I think that... um, Sorry, I have so many thoughts about the question you just asked in relationship to whether it's marriage or kids or white picket fence or van. Oh, so more so probably let me choose your favorite. Yeah. Let's rewind to even the idea of like what your path looks like and the timing of the path that God has for you, because he might not have kids, white picket fence, van, all of that. That's good. So I think it's more so important to be focused on what is God's will for your life. So good. Not you living someone else's plan Mm. that God has for someone else. Now that's because I think that's where we get into comparison and then we start putting artificial pressure on that no one else is putting on other than you. Um and like obviously like uh culture feels like it's putting that on. Or you know, know, there might be a single person listening, a single woman listening and her mom is like, No, it's time to get married. Yeah, or it could be the wife waiting for kids. Or it could be the husband waiting for the job that like yes. he's destined to have um, or gives him a life or any of those things. Like I think that's what happens is when you start playing the comparison game for what God's will is for someone else's life and you start wanting that and that becomes more important than waiting for um, wow, or that... being content in the, in the path that you're supposed to be so living in. So don't make decisions. Don't make decisions based on the comparison trap. Yeah, I mean, you and I make a bunch of decisions every day that if we made the same decisions, that would not be wise. Yeah, like as a matter of fact, Joanna, like that, so Steph and I, we, I brought up the topic of us buying our house. Um, for years, we watched other people get into houses. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and and we, we weren't able to. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. Yeah. Like it was really hard. But and, hey, but I back up, Chad. You, you said you weren't able to. I actually... So I I don't know. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I would imagine you could also say we chose another path. We, yes. You could have. Yeah. Because you could have sunk yourself and yeah. all totally. sorts of things. Totally. You chose something different mm-hmm. in those moments. That's, and you chose but, to walk your path, yeah. not someone yeah. else's path. But keep going because I know where yeah. it but goes. Like, but yeah, and and for us it was really hard because we when when you feel like it's a race, you see other people yep. pulling out ahead. Yep. Yeah. You yep. you're like, but they're they're should I they're lapping they're 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 about to lap me in life, and it's like they have everything that I'm supposed to have mm-hmm. at this point, and it's like I think freeing ourselves from that is huge. Well, what helped yeah. you? Um, I, you know what helped was this simple word of contentment, and and finding the the beauty and the contentment in where I was, because I don't think I'm I'm smart enough to to be able to say like. You know, I'm I'm figuring out God's timing for my life. I, I I don't think I have that figured out yet, but I do know that God is is giving me this thing called contentment, so that whilst I wait, I can have a really good time. Right. Like I can be in peace. I can have a joy yeah. in contentment. And I think uh, you know the the Paul says this in, in the Bible where he says, you know, I've learned to be content in all situations. And I think sometimes we have to be content in in where we're at right now mm-hmm. and knowing that God's timing is perfect and mm-hmm. perfect for our lives. And it may, I love what you said, like God might have this plan for us. It might be over here. It might be a different kind of life and it might be a different kind of pathway mm-hmm. and it doesn't make them bad, but not to make decisions based on trying to compare yourself or catch up to other people, because that's when we're going to make really horrendous decisions. Yeah. 
My friend and I, a friend of mine, he's a pastor up in New England. We were talking about this the other day, and he was talking about that passage where Paul says, I've learned to be content. And he says, or Paul says, um, what we were discussing is Paul says, I've learned to be content when I lack and with plenty. Mm. And we were talking about the whole idea of content with plenty because it's kind of obvious when you don't have something, yeah. you need to learn contentment right now. Just be content. I don't have it. It's challenging. It's almost more challenging when you could because you've got plenty. Yeah. And it's not time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not right in that moment. That's in some ways real contentment because you see when you don't have a lot, in some ways you're kind of forced. You don't really even have the option. Yeah. To be con- I mean, like you have to learn contentment internally, but but you really can't do anything. When you have the means and the ability to run after something and you still choose, like you've got plenty. Mm-hmm but you still choose not to because that's not God's will for your life at that moment. Yeah. That's, that's really challenging. Cause that feels like you're putting aside, uh, I don't know, potential or opportunity or whatever. It just feels it like be. you're putting this thing like back on, on the shelf yeah. instead of being able to like have it. And yeah. if you're familiar with the Bible, the Bible is just littered with stories of people that took things into their own hands from God. Like they they compared or they 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 suddenly felt this urgency to have something that they wanted and they made these decisions and you see time and time and time again when we make decisions out of those things they have really painful consequences that God is like saying like please listen don't don't make these choices don't make them based on these things because. God is a loving God, and he's saying, I don't want you to experience those consequences. So if Steph and I had said, like, you know, forget it, you know, we're buying a house 16 years ago, you know, the the financial hardship that that would have put on my marriage, we would have had the house, but we would have been financially ruined. And at that point, God would have been like, welcome to the consequences, and it would have hurt. And I'm not saying that the GPS couldn't have, you know, worked. It would have rerouted you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we would have figured out a new way, and we would have built strength and faith in that time, but we were able to avoid some painful consequences by by waiting, but but that that was hard. I imagine part of what what, uh, helped you guys to uh, wait when you feel like everybody's kind of moving forward in that sense is, because I would imagine you kept a vision out in front of you of what the intended or, or the preferred future was for you. Sure. Like if we hold the course, if we stay the course, and we believe God's called us to do this, if we stay the course, this isn't my will right now. Your will may be like, oh, it feels like we're dying yeah. to something. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at other people around. But we believe God, you've called us to this. And so we're going to stay, stay true to this. I would imagine that some of that's just, you had a vision in front of you of it's worth, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, and then sometimes it was harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and but see, that's Jesus in the garden in some ways. I mean, I'm not trying to compare a, a house decision to Jesus in the garden, but the principle is Jesus makes it real clear what his intention, he doesn't want to go to the cross, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane does not want to go to the cross. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly honest and vulnerable. Take this away from me. Take this cup away from me. But then he just says, not my will, but yours. Like at the mm. end of the day, at the end of the day, um, 
I'll walk the path that you've asked me to walk and that's going to bring with it what what appears to everyone else is brings a death yeah but he's trusting that there will be a resurrection on the other side so wow so anyways all that to say it's neat uh, that we have a god that has experienced even those those kind of moments well here's 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 the challenge with that the challenge with that is sometimes following god's will leads you into places that are feel like you've you died to something. Hmm. And in other words, just because things um just because you're in God's will doesn't mean like, oh man, you get blessed and rewarded and all that. I mean you do, but it may not look like what you're thinking. Yeah. Um Jesus was right in the center of God's will going to a cross. Um so what you that was my point probably in bringing it up with your house thing is that felt like you were dying to something in that oh, moment yeah, yeah. because you were trying to go I want to be we believe God for us has called us to this thing we're going to go after this and that means we got to set some and there's a part that's like man God wouldn't want us to not be happy mm-hmm. sometimes it's yeah. it's easy to it's like well maybe that but happiness your happiness is not God's chief aim yeah. your your righteousness is God's chief aim. Your faith, your heart, your transformation of your heart yeah. is his chief aim. Sometimes that comes through a winnowing process. And, and sometimes I think we're looking for cheap happiness versus like a, yeah. so it's like even for uh, the house that we live in, like mm-hmm. we could easily be dreaming of a house. It wouldn't be hard to find a house bigger than our house. Um and so, like, we have thought, like, hey, what does five years look like, 10 mm-hmm. years, our forever home, if you will. And it can be tricky because, like, even going down that, it's like, oh, well, that will make us happier if we have a bigger house. Instead of being challenged with that kind of contentment piece where it's like, you know, the prayer more, like, that I challenge myself with is like, hey, God, help me love my house today. Help mm-hmm. me love this space. Help me love the the kind of, like, nest that, like, you've given, like, our family um, and then I think you find a deeper appreciation, uh, for just where God has placed you and why. And so then it's like, oh, like, well now we're in a season where we're hanging out with our neighbors more. And so like, there's so much more richness, I think, to like a, um, deep joy instead of just like chasing happiness. The problem with the happiness thing is, is the illusion with it is whatever the thing is we can convince ourselves will bring us to happiness there's always another thing. There's mm-hmm. just always totally. another thing. It's like that whole appetite, you know, analogy that appetites don't go away when you feed them. They get yeah. bigger when you feed them. And so you can feed that appetite and there will always be someone with something totally. different or more or whatever. That's, but that's the illusion. I mean, yep. that's, that's what's so it's, hard. Yeah. And it's funny, even like, uh, so Finn was watching the draft the other week with Kevin, uh, for like football or whatever. And like, you just hear all these contracts being signed of like the millions and the yep. millions and the millions. And so then like Finn was like, mom, what would we even do with like $52 million a year? Like, <laughs> thanks Lamar. Um, and it's like, you couldn't even fat, like even if you got Lamar to that Jackson. point, reference show notes, <laughs> Baltimore, Ravens. you couldn't even fathom that. So it's like, right, then you're yeah. even chasing something that it's like, you don't really even know yeah, what yeah. you would do with that once you got there anyway, yeah. or like you think you would, but it still wouldn't be the same. And so like contentment in the here and now, like appreciation for the here and now. Um, yeah. Like I think it just kind of gets richer over time. I think if, if I could give uh, 
a piece of advice for everyone about to make a, a decision. Don't always chase with the filter of happy. I think I think happy is at no point have you heard us discuss that what makes you happy. Because there is a lot of a lot of horrible, horrible life altering decisions that are made to make you happy. And and I think it's almost become an idol for us as people to like, you know, we have to worship our happiness. Our like I had to leave the marriage because I wasn't happy. I had to leave the job because I wasn't happy. I had to do, I had to buy this because I wasn't happy. Like, we're not always going to be happy. And as long as we continue chasing happy, we'll never get off that treadmill because we'll constantly be feeding that monster, like you were saying, Jason. So I think, do we want to be happy? Yes. But not not everything, we live in a life where we can't always be happy. Now that makes it sound like, so if you're not careful, though, that could sound like, so God's will should make you miserable. Oh, goodness, no. Well, do you see what I'm saying? Like, Well, ex- but, explain but, the difference. Well, I don't know the difference. I'm asking <laughs> you. I think, I think in the end, it's, it's using the other filters. Yeah. I, and, okay. and finding what I think the opposite of happy is, is joy. Yes. And well, I and think. Well, and where you're fine, like where that's rooted in. Yeah. Because so many of those other things too, like you can assign your like identity to the kind of house you live in or the kind of car you drive or the yes. kind of neighborhood you live in versus like your identity is secure in Christ. And so if that's the outpouring of where your um, like identity, your joy, your uh, peace is coming from, then that's a lot different than like all of the other things you're chasing that are just really going to feel empty at the end Those of the day. Those are all circumstances. And again, mm-hmm. Jesus is calling us up, transcend yeah. it to the circumstances. And that's the joy piece. I think of Psalm 1, I think of Jeremiah 17, both of them talk about that the, the the righteous and the people who, when you search after God, you will He will plant you by the streams, like by the riverbanks. And Jeremiah seventeen says, "And your roots will grow down deep, and you will bear fruit in each season." Mm. And that's an awesome word picture. And then it says, "Your leaves will never wither." Love that. And the idea is this—that's what we want, right? Is fruit in every season, because that that means in drought and in summer, spring, uh, and in winter, and, but there's still, there's always fruit. And that is a much more, um, that, that's, a, that's the vision I think God has for our lives. He's like, I'm, I'm, I want to root you to where the circumstances don't sway you. They don't rock you, but mm-hmm. that you can still experience. That's joy. Yeah, that's good. That's joy. That's, that's phenomenal. So uh, as, as we kind of, you know, come to a, a close here. We've talked about a million different things, but I think what I'd, I'd love to talk aw- take away is this idea that God's will, it, it, we can define God's will by looking through a couple, you know, filters. We can, we can determine God's will. We want to be in God's will. As Christians, I think the, the, the important thing when making decisions is, is asking, you know, trying to determine what God's will is for our life in each of our decisions every day, not under-spiritualizing it, but making sure that God is constantly the most important voice in every decision we make, big or small, and determining what God's will. And we do that through, uh, I wrote down, like, the culture we, we know that God wants us to live in, scriptural, scriptural proof of, you know, the things that in there, the scripture that we God's know. God's word, this is yeah. go against or affirm God's word. Yep. Absolutely. God's, God's not going to have you sin. Point. Like, no decision, God's will will never have you sin. Um, and the wisdom of others. And then lastly is, is the Holy Spirit. 
So the wisdom of others, and, and God speaks through other people and people that have had life experiences and, and are seeking him as well. And then there is the, the, the echoes of the Holy Spirit that are throughout our lives. We can determine God's will through those things, and it's important to constantly be having those, not just like don't start putting those together when it's time for a big decision, but also... Renew your mind now. Train your mind now. Yes. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so that you will know the perfect and pleasing will of God. That's fantastic. And even if you've made a mistake, Jace. Recalculate. God's recalculate. good. Grace. You're good. Don't I mean like you'll be all right. God's gonna God's recalculate you. So now you just gotta go, how do I live faithfully with the decisions I've made? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't go back and change those. So how do I live faithfully now with the decisions I've made? And and ultimately, by the way, show notes. Uh, we make all of these notes available in our show notes, and like so, Jason and you know Joanna, they're often referencing you know passages, and and we make it all available, uh, all the little nuances, and we even make some of our funny things available in our show notes, so you can find those on YouTube and and in wherever our show notes are available. So, guys, another wonderful conversation. Uh, just want to remind all of us uh, listening. You know, like the channel, subscribe to the channel, leave comments because we read them and we want to en- enjoy, you know, the, the podcast community that we have going on. Yeah, I can't wait to hear some of these answers to the would you rathers we started with. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be some strong opinions, I have a feeling, on, on the comments. Um, hey, uh, remember, uh, don't, for- don't forget to, you know, keep checking in with us as we talk about how to live changed and make sure you this week go out there and live changed. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to follow the show, send today's episode to a friend, and leave a review. The Live Changed podcast is produced by LCBC Church. LCBC stands for Lives Changed by Christ. We are one church in multiple locations across Pennsylvania. For more information about LCBC, resources from this episode, and ways to grow in your relationship with Jesus, go to lcbcchurch.com.